This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The horror idea of Kingdom Hearts being that you might get into and understand the franchise because (laughs) that, I believe, chemically changes your brain to be different. I feel like, Liz, you you could easily become a Kingdom Hearts freak. I think that that is something I know about myself. If I go down that Rubicon, I'm never coming out, right? It's the exact same shit that I love about Yu-Gi-Oh. It's like, I don't need to know a lot. Mm, Knowing a little is enough. And it's got Disney. I've, but Johnny, I've watched like three different videos that try to explain the plot of Kingdom Hearts. And they never, like the only Disney shit they mention is like Goofy, Donald, and Mickey. Everything else doesn't matter, apparently. That's, uh, uh, it's unbelievable to me. (laughs) Now here's a picture of. An anime boy with Buzz and Woody. So please yes, don't I'm, tell I'm me that w- Disney at that picture is <laughs> not involved in this game. No, 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 no. It's like they're involved, but they're not plot relevant, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, I think that has that is completely acceptable to me. Mm. Well, now here's Cloud and a little anime boy and our friend Hercules. We can't. We can't do this for another eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, we, we can't keep doing this. We can't keep yeah. doing this. open on Jonnet Kessler and Teacher Wei sitting across from each other, cross-legged, clearly in a dream state. The thick night of the swamp swirls around them. I think there is mist that is now gathering over the marshes and the, you know, dancing nebula of the sky looks very beautiful over the sliver of the moon that hovers over these two. And we can see a small white finch that lands on Jonnet's shoulder. The bird does its little bird hop over to Jonnet's ear and sings, then sings quite insistently, then like pecks a little bit at his shirt and we get a an extreme close-up of the bird. And birds don't have human facial expressions, but you can see severe irritation on this bird's face. <laughs> it moves over to Jonathan's earlobe and pecks the earlobe, then like hop, hops back, feeling a bit afraid as though something's going to happen. Nothing happens. The bird looks perplexed, hops down off of Jonnet's shoulder and like sort of squares itself in front of him. 
looks up at him and can see his eyes are closed and his third eye open. And we can see reflected in the bird's small beady eyes the gold energy of the strands and lines of the universe swirling in aura around Jonnet. And the bird gives a bird equivalent of a shrug, then pecks down at its foot pulls out the string of messages that that has been put into its little ankle holster. And with that, one of the pellets that was created for the bird falls out. The bird pecks at that pellet, leaves a dropping on the ground, and then flies off towards its next destination, which just so happens to be... We're assuming that Oromar and Travis sent that message? Is that it? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe so. I want to bounce right back to them, actually, um, before we, we hit up uh, the Gable Adventure Train. So when we last left you, you were at a nest of some sort, a changeling nest. The reason that you had come to this area is you felt the highest density of like transformation magic energy in this area. You you can see winking notes, lights, like the little glows of moonlight in the forest around you. Moonlight representing truths that the forest queen's light can uncover, especially to one of her devotees, especially to Travis. There are secrets in this world that can be revealed by leaning towards the forest queen, Of course, this kind of sight always carries a price. And one of the prices is one that Travis is enacting right now as he is hunting another changeling. Johnny, where's Travis at? What's he doing? Are we able to tell, not necessarily by magic, but by um, just, you know, tracking stuff, how long it's been since the changeling has been here? I think that's a perception role. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll allow it. And you get a blue die because Buster is right there. Mm-hmm. Can you hear him? Also, fun? you've been drinking the um, the moonshine that's accelerating your kind of vision for these strange things. Uh, yeah, I guess. Mm. I guess that's probably a better justification. But Buster is Buster's rubbing his head against that microphone. <laughs> he wants to yeah. be a little podcaster just like his yeah. dad. Podcat. <laughs> Podcat. Podcat. Uh, what's the difficulty? Oh my God, Buster, come on. <laughs> what's the difficulty on this? Uh, I am going to say, I don't think Travis does this sort of thing very frequently, so I am going to say hard. That's three, correct? Mm-hmm. That's three purple, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's two successes and two advantages. Oh, Ooh, shit. So, yeah, you are able to... Very easily. I think that the last time this place was used was last night. Okay. But two advantages as well. I think you mentioned earlier that there were like small artifacts kind of left around the the changeling nest, for lack of a better word, like things that a human or something of human intelligence might be interested in. Nathan, Mm -hmm. I am going to ask you what one of those things might be. Ooh, let's see. I like the idea that 
this changeling, despite no longer having a human form, has still a need of keeping records of some kind. And Ooh. maybe it's animal pelt that's been dried. Maybe they managed to obtain and steal paper using mud as ink, but there is something that they have written down. Even if it's almost illegible to humans at this point, whoever wrote it can still understand it. Yeah, yeah. I do like the idea of there being a ledger. I, I'm I'm thinking of the little little hand grabbers that I actually have. Mm-hmm. Um and they do like look a little handy. I'll bet they could kind of roughly manipulate a pen mm. if they were Aww, transformed large that's enough. So cute. Yeah. And let's say that it's written in blood. So like yeah. you know, creepy cute. Mm-hmm. We we get mm-hmm. that. So you do find like a diary of some kind. Am I able to read it at all, or is it kind of inscrutable to to anyone? We'll say that you can read it. What is the point of having someone find a diary if they can't if they literally can't read it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you open it up to the most recent entries and it says I can feel the end closing in like a noose around my neck. Or perhaps my leg, like an animal caught in a trap. Hmm. This might be an easier task than I thought. Well, whoever you were looking for is clearly not here. Well, not right now. So we wait? That might be fun, a stakeout? (laughs) Very well, there was something I wanted to talk to you about anyway. Okay, well, as long as you've got some sunflower seeds and um, some old coffee. (laughs) Oromar produces an additional (laughs) apple. I decided to not eat this one in case you got hungry. That's kind. Uh, Apple, I will, I, an apple's not a classic steakout food, but we'll do, we'll do what we can with what we have. And I do appreciate it. Mm. Travis, do you like hop over and beak at this apple? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, hmm, I i i like the idea that oromar like extends a bony talon out of one finger and neatly slices the apple mm. for you into into smaller bird acceptable chunks i've uh become increasingly good at thinking about how to look after birds as of late mm. i was hoping for a worm in here ah uh, well uh, that's relatively low in sugar content and wouldn't serve my needs. Are are there are worms and apples a real thing or is that just a cartoon thing? <laughs> I think that's a real thing. <laughs> okay, they're probably more likely to be grubs than literal earthworms. But yeah, yes. uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like what. A, a cartoon means in the context of Sky. I assumed that that was an uh, out of character question, but okay. No, 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 no. No, that no. Was, no it's our flip books. Mm, car- I was going to say probably car- written okay. like like comics are probably a yeah. thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think cartoons are uh, like most products are sold in in crates and cartons, uh, <laughs> and therefore, <sighs> when you are at a Sky Ship port in order to make mm-hmm. the crates of material that you're selling more attractive to potential buyers because mm-hmm. essentially if you like make if you're a sugar refiner you got to make a bunch of sugar put it in a barrel or a 
carton and like sell it to a red feather ship mm. to sell at another port and to dress them up like sequential art that tells like little stories and whatnot is just like one of the little advertising hooks. So everybody's like little cards. stained glass stations of the cross. But <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Does this mean that there's an equivalent of like Ben Garrison who works for the Red Feathers? There's a there's an apple crying smaller apples because you're not buying them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So you're considering that as Oromar has sliced up these little apple pieces, you you grab a little piece in your beak. It's a pretty cute, fun scene. And, co- and come but- to think of it, why, if you're advertising your apples, would you put a worm in the picture? Because <laughs> it's so delicious. It's That's big for- pear industry, honestly, <laughs> trying to sow faulty propaganda about rival fruit. Mm. As you eat the apple, Oromar signs to you. They don't have the the alcohol and the water mix in them to get their vocal cords to work correctly right now. So you spent uh, quite a while ordering me around. Well, um, I like to think that I was asking nicely for you to do whatever I wanted. But, uh, but yes, but yes. Mm. Uh, a puppeteer does not ask the marionette to dance he merely pulls at the strings and uh, you've been holding on to my strings for quite a while that's that's true but to be fair i didn't tie the strings i didn't make the little uh thing that the strings tied to that's not the puppet part someone just handed it to me and then died mm. i well I'm sure it's not a surprise to you, and you've probably heard it from other people, but I hated you for a while, Travis Matagame. But I won you over. (laughs) I think, at the very least, you used some of the control that you had to protect other members of the crew, and that I genuinely respect. Thank you for using your tools wisely. I'd like to think... That I never made you do anything you wouldn't have done on your own, for the mm. most part. I'm sure that there's one or two, you know, silly little little goofs that someone else will remember. But by and large, you know, my intentions were good, aside from the fact that I was, you know, controlling mm. you without your consent. Funny you should say, actually that you weren't making me do something that I wouldn't do otherwise. And in fact, I wouldn't ask the same of you either. But I do know that you're a gambling man. So maybe instead of making you do something that you don't want to do, you'd be up for a game instead. Well, you know, I can't resist a game. Hmm. I wonder if you would be able to go... Two, no, three weeks without gambling. Is that a, is that a bet? 
Hmm. If I take if I take the bet, I've uh, already lost. The bet lost. does not count. I will I will excuse I will excuse the bet itself. I figured you might object to that as your first hurdle. I'm glad you're thinking this carefully through, Travis. <laughs> oh, you might wow. have tripped you're at gonna, the first hurdle. You're gonna make me do a liar liar. <laughs> I happen to have not watched that play, but I think I can infer <laughs> the plot line by the name of it. Indeed, I figure if uh, operating within bounds, not doing... Uh, as I said, I would never make you do something that you don't want to do, but you do like to win. Now what... I've got a few questions. What do I get if I win? What do you get if I lose? Hmm. And wh- and why why are you asking me this? I want you to feel how I felt a little bit. You get to proceed with the veneer of your normal life, but there'll be something hanging over you knowing that there are certain bits and pieces of your day-to-day that are fully out of your control. I can't ask for tithes from you, nor am I so of a megalomaniac to ask for or ask you to beg for forgiveness. You're not Winchester. There are only a special few people that I will make beg. But I wanted special you to... Special few uh, people that don't ask to beg. <laughs> we still haven't fully explored our remorse relationship with Spit. Um... <laughs> The age difference is too great. It's too great. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. Uh, I suppose after a certain period of time, I will be many, many, many years his senior. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I threw myself off track there with that joke. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> mm, long story short, I'm. I'm not going to make you beg for forgiveness for the things that you have done, but I do want a rare bit of empathy from you, Travis Matagam. And what if? I'm able to go three weeks. Well, Oromar <laughs> like scratches the side of his face sheepishly and looks away. To be honest, when I ran uh, in my head a bit of a foresight and calculations of whether you could do three weeks, most of those eventualities had you failing at one point or another. So I wasn't actually thinking too hard about what your prize might be. <laughs> the captain winks and yeah. you realize that he's joking i wanted to leave the um prize up to you so we could make an agreement together on what the uh what the winning and failing prizes for you might be after all we have time while we're waiting what do you want what do you get for the bird who has everything (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure i can procure a watch for you Travis says, just beacon down on some apple. (laughs) (laughs) Though I could get my own watches. Hmm. What if, and let me know if this is too big of an ask, I go three weeks without gambling, and we'll get to the specifics on what that entails. Mm -hmm. And if I can do it, and feel a sense of what you felt, we can call it even- uh, walk, walk away—not away, but walk together as as friends, employer, employee, and uh, no hard feelings. Honestly, there would be nothing I would prefer more. And if I lose, 
I don't know. Maybe I have to be your butler for a week or something. <laughs> Two weeks, three weeks. Remember when we were in the semaphore room on the ship and we had a conversation unheard for a while and our um, essences were able to communicate mm. to move? Let me be mm. in your body for a while. <gasps> Oh. <laughs> and what do I do? Is this a Freaky Friday? Oh, maybe it is. Operating this old house requires a lot of very specific pieces of maintenance. <laughs> I don't think you would have a very fun time having to do all the things I need to do to just have sign language communication with you. If I could feel tired, this would be exhausting. Well, that's there'd be literally nowhere else for his spirit to go. It would have to shelter in Oromar's body or Dreth's heart. Oh. Or it's perfect strangers, and they're both unexpectedly in the same apartment. And they <laughs> <have> to- <laughs> oh, what? Okay. Or oh, what if there is a way? And here's the thing. We can we can have all these fun little plans that we want. It's not going to happen. Mm. But what if we are able, knowing that I die every night, to somehow separate my man body from my bird body? You get a man body for a week, and I'm stuck as a bird for a week. Hmm. And you get to feel the pain of having your agency taken away from your physical form repeatedly for an entire week. Well, and I get to eat all the apples I want. What are the? Well, the apples aren't for you, nor are they really for me. This feels like an extremely good exchange. Mm. As the game master, I will say right now, Travis failing is. Thousands of times more interesting yeah. than Travis succeeding. Therefore, I think Travis is going to have to make an additional request as a prize if he is able to win. Mm-hmm. And the suggestion that I'll have, because right now, the delight that I, I would get out of this situation unfolding is untold. There, there's so much cool shit that could go down uh, if Travis fails. Uh, but... If he succeeds, it would leave a little door open for me if Travis is then owed a favor by the Uhuru. Mm. Okay. Not unlike the heart of the bandit queen, owed owed a favor by the ship of the Uhuru that he is able to call in. Yeah, That's I fun. would think that if you managed to go through such a difficult turmoil for yourself, then, well, you would have earned yourself my favor. Does that feel tantalizing, Travis Matagan? <sighs> Yeah, I'd consider myself tantalized. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, mm-hmm. okay. No gambling. No gambling. If you would like is... the specific terms for what that means by no gambling. If somebody offers you to go and do a thing where there are additional stakes based on whether you succeed or fail. I am actually, as the game master, going to recommend that the deal just be no gambling Ugh. because it allows me to actually make it different. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh. 
Yeah, okay. So yeah. to hit the rewind button on the script change system about that then, mm-hmm. on the kind of like, uh, what, what are the terms? Uh, the captain says, well, the terms. And then the captain winks at you. Hmm. I'm sure that says everything that needs to be said. Hey, heroes, it's James, your game master, and for real, this time I'm serious about it, this is the generic mid-roll. Those other generic mid-rolls, they weren't generic, but now they are. Uh, Just so everybody knows, I'm doing generic mid-rolls because I recently had a baby, and taking care of a newborn does not leave me with time to do most of my regular podcast duties. Obviously, Skyjax is going to continue posting. I'm just not going to be making bespoke mid-roll announcements for it. With that said, first, I want to thank Lex, the Lexicon artist, for joining us as a guest for this arc. And I want to let everyone listening know that Lex is currently touring. So if you have enjoyed their performances here on the show, and you're also in a position where you think you can go out and see shows safely, I highly recommend showing up to Lex's tour. They're going from the East Coast through the Midwest, up and down the country throughout March and April. And you can get tickets for a performance in your area by heading to thelexiconartist.com or following the link in our show notes. I know not everybody's COVID safety protocols allows them to go out and see concerts. But if yours do, there's nothing better than supporting an artist like Lex uh, in a very difficult time. And if you can't make it to one of the tour dates, check out Lex's website anyway and listen to their music. It's really great. In addition to our regular game, for this arc, we're playing Starcrossed, the two-player Forbidden Romance RPG. Starcrossed was designed by my dear friend and former network member, Alex Roberts, and is published by Bully Pulpit Games. You can pick up your own copy of Starcrossed by following the link in our show notes. A big thank you to all the cast and crew who are involved in producing the music for this arc. That is not just our guest for the arc, Lex the Lexicon artist, but it's also Arnie Parrott, our house musician, Tyler Davis, who you're going to be hearing later on, James Mendez-Hodes, who wrote some lyrics for one of the songs that will be appearing much later on in the arc, and of course Casey Tony, our editor, for choosing when and where it appears in the show. And also a huge thank you to Tracy Barnett, who assisted Casey Tony on the editing for this arc. As always, one of the biggest thank yous goes to our Patreon patrons who made everything you're listening to possible by supporting the show. Let's thank them right now. Thanks to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Just to be 100% clear, 
this specific bargain is not included in the gambling Indeed. clause. Okay. Indeed. And when starting when? Starting from 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 now, from tomorrow, from Do you happen to have one of your many, many watches on you? Well, it's in me right uh, now. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you have a uh ah okay you you kind of like turned into a bird off schedule are you Mm -hmm. forced out of bird form when 12 hours pass or does it have to be like a sunlight change for that to happen it's it's a sunlight change for it to happen i i think i i will say as the game master here if travis agrees to the deal we'll probably need to throw his ocus down on the deal and I would like it to begin immediately. I want I want Travis to throw down his Ocus to begin this because that will make what we're about to do excruciatingly fun. Okay. okay. What if what if this what if this is how since it's like inside of me and since it's magic and whatever, I want to have a good time. We're all here to have a good time. <laughs> Not a long I time. want to take my beak and like lift up a wing and pluck a feather out. And then mm-hmm. drop it in front of us, and then I think it will turn into the Ocus. Nice. I think that, that exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Don't ask me um, to do it again. <laughs> that was all yeah. that was needed. I suppose the game is afoot. Travis gingerly drops the Ocus on the ground. It sits between the two. And Travis, being a raven is not the sort of person that you could shake hands with. Really, if you wanted to solidify a deal that you could be sure of, perhaps Travis Madigo, even in his human form, wouldn't be the sort of person that you would want to shake hands with. Instead, an understanding passes between the captain and Travis, their souls connecting in the way their eyes connect through their bodies. The Ocus doesn't glow There is no sound initially, but as soon as the terms are agreed upon between the two, there is a faint ticking. As we can see, Travis's ocus now that is in the form of the Forest Queen's crown, a collection of branches and blooms portrayed in a lovely silver metal we can see that it has transformed itself into a watch set to tick away for three weeks' time. At this, I'm going to ask both of you to roll a perception check. Heck yeah. Is there a difficulty or is it just opposing? I'm going to make it hard, Mm -hmm. but you each can roll uh, the check. Sure, sure. For the listeners out there, uh, my perception stat is one yellow and two green. Rolling against three purple. That's that's also mine. That's fun. Mm. I'm going to give uh, Nathan, mm-hmm. you a blue die, okay. but I'm not going to reveal why you have it. Understood. Mm. Do you have a cat somewhere nearby oh, that we just man. can't see? That's <laughs> pretty crummy roll. Oh, no, no, no. No, we're okay. That is... One success and one advantage. I have one advantage. I think the thing that the captain can understand before Travis is that the sounds of the swamp around you 
have quieted significantly. There is so much silence that you could hear a pin dropping. Travis, you are in in animal form and you have animalistic instincts. And suddenly after this bet is made, your body braces. You know that your animal form is anticipating some danger, but you can't unravel what it might be. And I think Travis distracting you from the thing that Oromar eventually perceives. A finch zips into this silence, lands at your side, and immediately, like, I don't think Travis, like, speaks animal language necessarily, (laughs) but I do think in your animal forms, you can understand and empathize with other animals, like, much more easily than a human could. Yeah, because birds, birds and, and, and other creatures, they, they don't speak, but, but they do vocalize and emote. And this bird is communicating like frustration. And you can tell it's frustration that you and your friends are unprofessional. <laughs> um, uh, meanwhile, Captain Oromar, you don't perceive it through Oromar's eyes. You perceive it kind of on the spiritual plane. Mm. There is a glow in the forest. You you are not perceiving the winking notes of transformation energy that Travis is able to, but a, a, a faint bioluminescence sort of inhabits the spiritual wood around you. And I really want to point out that the the woods that you are in, mm-hmm. um, you are in a grove of mangrenil. They, it, it's not so much muddy ground as it is tangled roots that intermix with wave. And you can tell based on your body if you were alive, uh, this would be an incredibly dangerous place to be. Mm. Travis being in raven form is protected from it. Um, but you like kind of faintly understand that your human flesh is currently being attacked by the vicious pollen and sap and bark of the mangrenil trees. Everything about these trees has a wicked distaste for humanity. Mm. And being a spirit inhabiting a dead body, you have enough of a separation that it protects you. And because there is such a vicious, maligned energy coming off of all these trees, when you feel anything that shifts different, it's incredibly easy for you to perceive. Mm -hmm. That, combined with the animal life suddenly quieting down, lets you know that some real shit is about to go down. Mm. And Oromar has a chance to brace for whatever that might be. I would like to zip over deep into the caves with Gable, Wendell, and Nodos. Mm-hmm. I think you have been following this line now for, for quite some time. Your group has, like, worn through a lot of the initial excitement and I I think even gone through—there must be, Liz, I have to ask, like, what are 
the games that uh, Wendell Nodos and Gable tend to play with one another when things are boring. Because you are the action group. You leap into battle. You take risks together. But there must be downtime between you. Uh, is it like I spy? What What's going on with, with these folks? When? So on the next carton, it's a picture of an apple with a lady apple. Like a like a sexy lady apple. Yes, it's very sexualized. The the lady apple has big lashed eyes and uh, heaving breasts, and the apples yeah. are indicating that they are attracted to each other. And then okay. on, on the next carton, they have a little a very small apple, uh, so as to in, indicate that the uh, the two apples have courted and had offspring together and that was the end of it i i was drawn away i i didn't get to the next panel but that's a that's the last cartoon i saw yep oh, that's a good one that's a good one it's got ups it's got downs it's got kind of a fun moral at the end exactly the apples I, were delicious and made little ones to get there. I don't understand your obsession with erotic cartoons. I I prefer the Heathcliff brand apples, which are much more abstract. I understand, but art is... Uh, I'm not going to say I don't enjoy erotica for the sake of erotica. I understand it, and I appreciate it for what it's worth. But I also know that uh, the, the, the form needs to involve sex to advance. All art needs to have a certain amount of sexualization to be able to be shared amongst the masses because sexualization is a shared experience amongst all humanity or or lack thereof. But the human relationship to sex is something that we can all languageless agree on. I think I would like to eat a sexy apple someday. Okay. Well... You do know it's a metaphor, right? What? I'm not. It's th- for what? The apples don't from this product don't actually have heaving bosoms. It's about the femininity and I have never concerned myself with apples. Do they not hump? Okay, well, uh, all right. And I think at that we enter a, a chamber. Like the the rope leads off into a chamber that like it's clear that this path has been trod many times. Um, I, I think there are a lot of, of channels and nooks in this cave system. Like you can see uh, from the the faint light of the ropes and whatever lanterns uh, or, or light sources you may have brought that along the walls of the cave, like there are marks where water has flooded and drained uh, from this cave. Like you can't tell whether it is tidal or, or what might have caused the, the various flooding and draining, but it's clear that over time the, this cave has you know been waterlogged and then drained dry many many times, and it is also clear that the path that you're walking ha- has been walked by many other people. It's it's just a sense that you get entering older cave systems, where you can look down another tunnel and there is an energy of discovery that comes from the tunnels that are not connected to paths that are familiar from other people. It is both menacing and alluring 
but your path has, has the comfort of something that has been walked many times before until you reach the chamber ahead. Because you can see coming from this chamber, there is a faint light, not a dancing light. I couldn't say that it is actively glowing. Glowing to me implies that there is a movement to the light. It is very still, but it is still a light, a small trickle of gold that stands out heavy in the darkness. And as you enter the room, the energy changes. It is as though you are staring and standing in a tunnel that has not been walked many times before, where every person's experience is unique, and some of them have ended in death. You have entered the tunnel of the Plume Crew. Crew, whatever. I'm, I can't speak French. That's been made very clear over mm-hmm. the last many episodes. Mm-hmm. But but we cho- we made another French place. So <laughs> kind of have to follow along with that influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess... I guess this is it. Just keep going? Uh, nope. Wendell walks into the chamber and, like, we can't see, but if we could, we would see the goosebumps forming on Wendell's neck and shoulders, his hairs standing up on his neck. You two standing behind him can see that there, some of the faint gold light, like, underlights him as he stares down towards the ground, where as our eyes adjust a little bit, we can see that there is a pool of water, a a circular pool that as Wendell looks down into it, the gold glow washes over his face. Nodos shortly thereafter joins him at his side and looks down. And when and if Gable does, we can see a deep well of water, a a, a pit that is full of still and clear water that goes down farther than any can say. But at the very bottom of that pool, there is a golden glow. And the pool is filled right now. The pool is filled. Okay. This is it, fellas. This is what I was taking us towards. There's a treasure at the bottom there, and everyone who's come here before us has either turned back or died trying to take it. Oh, I'm going to, I would bet that we have lighting implements, right? Yeah. So I'm going to take a torch and, like, first of all, light a match to see what the oxygen situation is in here. Yeah, you, you light the match. The match is not entirely still. There does appear to be some kind of cross breeze from like faint caverns above you. Like if you look up, there are, I wouldn't call them tunnels, but like a rodent might be able to fit through them. Certainly not any of uh, the beefy gangly boys that that are currently here. Mm -hmm. So there's there's plenty of air. Gotcha. And then I'm going to light a big oil-soaked rag to have a torch so we can have a lot more light here and you light up the room this room 
appears like rich with graffiti. Interesting. There are, I think, groups have written their names onto the walls. And some of those names are crossed off and some of them are not. And I think there are dates as well. Oh. Have people left things here as if they it seems like they've left in a hurry i think if there are any things left behind uh they are things that are left specifically as remembrances i kind of love the idea that next to most of the names that are crossed off there is a tradition of taking a coin. We'll, we'll say that Duke Mignon has its own currency system. There are these... Eh, yeah, I, I don't want to tie myself to a medal, but there are coins that represent Duke Mignon, and they're, have, they've taken steel nails and nailed them into the wall uh, uh, next to the crossed-off name. So mm. it's a little creepy, if like we'll decide, yeah, there was someone who came before you and the thing that is left there, you see some boots and a coat folded up next to this well as though someone intended to come back for them and never did. And there are no bodies here. So if the people no who died bodies. did it down there. Cool. <laughs> Great. Uh, so Wendell... I know it stakes uh, any sort of hints as to why it's either get out or fucking die. Is that? Uh, well, I, I mean, again, I've had just a little bit of time to think about it. Uh, but I kind of think that, uh, you know, everybody else not very good at going on fun and cool adventures. <laughs> okay. Well, now, now, I, I think I would disagree. <laughs> I, I think, I think it comes to a point in every person's life where they have to choose whether some abstract prize is more valuable than continuing to be. Sort of creating your own accomplishments once you've run out. The real treasure mayhaps be realizing that your life is more valuable than some golden prize at the bottom of a well. Yeah, or no one's cool enough or strong enough to swim to the bottom. Or nobody has friends to pull them out if it looks like they're not going to make it all the way. Oh, so you're saying the tide's never going to recede. This is always going to be full. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If the tide receded, I think people would have it already, okay. right? Okay, all right. I was under the impression. There's no easy mode. This is only hard mode. <laughs> Figure that we would. For real gamers. <laughs> Oh, Did not Wendell a gamer. I couldn't. No. <laughs> Some Dark Souls stuff. No, I am. I, I'm. I'm here for the the story. Really, I'm not here to get good or yes, anything. The lore. <laughs> Wendell draws his keyblade. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mickey, what are you doing here? <laughs> 
You should swim to the bottom and die. <laughs> Make a stop it. Darkness. Yes. Uh. <laughs> Don't keep doing this impression. I'll sue you. Huh? Well, the impression isn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Ah, <laughs> uh, geez. Uh. All right, my friends. I'm going to do some magic. How's everyone feeling about that? We haven't had a whole lot of time to discuss everyone's comfort level. We, we talking like card stuff? No. Oh, God-killing stuff. Yeah. And, like, Wendell, you can see there is kind of a fear, like a nervous anticipation, agitation. And over at Nodos, Nodos has a look that is almost impenetrable. Because it is the same look. He's simply not a very expressive person. Uh, apart from the thrill of battle, you don't see him emote very much. But he is extremely focused and attentive. Mm-hmm. If you would like to perceive, you may. That's that's not what I'm asking. Hmm? It's not what I'd like. This is about all of us. Well, I mean, uh, what... what what did, what would you want to do? I'm going to cast uh my plan is to just figure out this is going to be yucky. Figure out where the souls and bodies are here and at what point they lost their lives. Oh, weird. Uh I I think I'm okay with that. Give us a give us a bit of leg up to get that cool treasure. Nodos? Yes, I think that would be wise. Okay. But we're all cool with it. We're not skeeved out and we're not withholding any sort of like resentment for, you know, ruining the world when I do these things, right? Wait, does it does it actively ruin the world? No. Yeah, that wasn't made clear no, previous, to me. The previous stuff. The current stuff, no way for me to know if that's impacting how bad the world is right now, but... Gable, did you... Do you think what you did ruined the world? Yes. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, 
with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like System Mastery. System Mastery is a delightful stroll through the history of role-playing games. Except the games are terrible and the hosts are real jerks about everything. Join hosts Jeff and John as they explore the weirdest games ever made to talk about what worked, what went wrong, and which Silverhawk was the best. It was Hot Wing. You can find their shows at SystemMasteryPodcast.com or through a link on the OneShot website. Finally. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E- P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists, and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. To the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends near to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.